Welcome one and all to another episode of the Megavision Show, the companion podcast to Megavisions Magazine. I'm Chris, the editor of Megavisions, and joining me this week are Sketchcraft. Yo, what's up? And Scotty. I'm here. <laughs> oh, man. So we've had a little bit of a, uh, a, a, some time working to try to get this podcast going this week. Um, but we're here. We're finally, you know, finally here. Finally got it rolling. So, um, you know, it's been a few weeks since the last episode of the Megavisions show. Uh, but, man, we just finished up a pretty awesome episode of the Sideshow uh, this past week where we talked about the 1994 horror sci-fi thriller Brain Scan that starred uh, Edward Furlong yeah. from Terminator 2. And we were joined by our friend Corey from the Scrubverse podcast. And I thought it went pretty well. Scotty, uh, now it's been about a week or so since we did that podcast. Looking back on it, yeah. what do you think? Um, it was a lot of fun, and that movie's horrible, and I love it. And um, Corey had the right idea about it as well, so I think we all agree that it's it's bad, and that's why we love it. It is one of those... Uh, I wouldn't say it's one of those so bad it's good movies, because I think it does do some good things. It's not great, but there's some charm to it, and it's it's a fun movie. Yeah, it's a time capsule. Um, I I forget exactly who said it in our Discord, but they said, oh, I haven't seen this movie, so I don't think I'll listen. I was like, oh, you got to still listen because we're going to tell you why you need to own, (laughs) not just see, but own this movie. But yeah, I mean, we could harp on it forever, but go check out the sideshow, everybody. Patrons only, though. I mean, at at least a dollar, you could start listening to it. Yep. Yep. So Um, we're going to change up the the structure, kind of the format of the podcast. from how we've been doing in the past, nothing too radical or anything like that. But uh, I just want to start giving up some like updates to the magazine right up front to the podcast and talk and, and give listeners like kind of the latest, what we got going on with the magazine, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then we'll talk about kind of the games we've been playing, the movies we've been watching. We'll get into some news and then we'll uh, wrap things up with kind of like a feature discussion point. I think uh, that will uh, get things rolling a little bit better and, and be a little bit more structured than, you know, kind of how we were doing in the past, but um, some good news on the the Megavisions magazine front. Uh, all issues of issue eight have been shipped to our patrons, uh, and we are now listing uh, issue eight for sale on our website. So you can go to Megavisions Mag uh, MegavisionsMag dot com and click the store link at the top, and you'll be able to go to our store and, and pick up single issues. Of the magazine, if you're listening to this and uh, you weren't able to join the Patreon in time to get your last uh, issue of issue eight, you can buy uh, as many of those as you want on there. Um, and we ship worldwide uh, from our from our web store, so that's some exciting news. We wanted to get all those issues out to all of our patrons um, before we put those up for sale uh, on the website. Um, and uh, for I want to kind of talk a little bit about some of the stuff that happened at the end of our, our, I guess, run up to the release of, of issue eight. Um, I know there was a few people, I guess that, that weren't super happy with how we handled uh, the, the changeover from our old pledge tiers to kind of our new updated pledge tiers. Um, And because what ended up happening was we thought that when we changed the pledge tiers, everyone was going to be able to just go ahead and automatically be subscribed to those new pledge tiers on Patreon. Um, but Patreon's not like <laughs> as super easy, uh, you know, 
to, to be able to do that. It's it's a lot behind the scenes on on Patreon. It, it can be, be kind of cumbersome. Um, and so what we ended up happening was is that we set a deadline for people to update their pledge tiers uh, to the the new pricing. And about half of our patrons did that. And about the other half didn't, despite multiple updates that we gave um, throughout the, the weeks and, and months leading up to the release. Um, and so we kind of hit a point where we had to make a decision. Like, do we uh, just, you know, delete all those other pledge tiers that didn't update? Or, you know, kind of what do we do here? Um, because that's a, a, a big number of people that we'd be losing out on and it wouldn't be getting a magazine. So what we ended up doing... Um, I made that call to just say, you know what, we're just going to give all these issues for this one, for this one issue, we're going to give it to everybody who's a current patron if they, no matter if they updated or didn't update their pledge tiers. Um, so what ended up happening was some people like ended up paying the old price and some other people paid the the new price for the magazine. Um, and some people were, were kind of upset because they said, hey, you know, why? are these people, if they didn't even update their pledge tier, uh, why do they still get the magazine and I'm having to pay the new price and I update my pledge tier like you asked for. Um, and they were, some of the people were upset by that. And I get that. I completely hundred percent understand, uh, where you're coming from. So what we're going to do is for issue nine, for everyone who updated their pledge tier, when we asked them to, and we're super awesome about that, we're going to give you a special gift that's going to come in with issue nine. Uh, and for anyone who's a current patron and has not yet updated their pledge tier, when we are doing our deadline or, or our final call for for patrons and they have not yet updated their pledge tier, we're just going to have to remove them from our Patreon altogether. We're not going to deal with that again. It made the whole fulfillment of this issue a nightmare because I was basically having to deal with like two or three completely different spreadsheets of subscribers and it was just a nightmare it took a long time to sort through all that stuff out so anyway long and short of it is we're getting everything fixed and we want to give everyone who uh did what we asked and updated pledge tier uh just kind of a thank you gift so that will be coming once issue eight rolls around and so thankful for for all of you with that um sketchcraft is there um uh, is can there I, any can, yeah let me let me chime yeah. in on that so before I get on to what I've been doing, but concerning that issue, I, I just want to remind, you know, patrons, backers, um, when companies make mistakes or when something goes wrong, they generally just eat the cost and go, well, you know, we have, you know, surplus funds for that, or we, mm -hmm. you know, that'll just be something that we, we eat and we'll learn from that mistake around here in self-publishing land. That's, that's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> Chris, Chris eats that cost. Secondnerds.com eats that cost. And that that can push out the release of the next issue because we got to wait for more ad money to come in or some other. It's like I know like people think like the patrons are enough to to cover the cost of the magazine right now, but um, that's going to take a while to get to that point. Right now, they're just you guys are just helping yeah. keep it alive. You know what I mean? And and the other factor is with the magazine is we're just putting in a lot of effort and time and you know uh, funds from other resources to make all this happen. So. Um, the fact that you, 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 you know, Chris, you, you did make that happen and you got it done. I just, I hope that, you know, uh, people recognize that, yeah. you know, that effort 
And if they don't, I ch- I then I challenge them. Go go do your own Patreon <laughs> and wait till something goofs up, and then get back to me on. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's fucking yeah. hard, dude. It, I mean, I don't mean to curse, but it's super. I've been there. I've had to eat the cost on a few things because something happened that wasn't within my control. Exactly. You know, and and when you're like, well, that's two grand. I don't know about you, but <laughs> you have an extra two, three grand. Just you know, you can just be like, ah, eh, no big deal you know <laughs> so you know i uh i watched you go through that nightmare and i was like man i'm glad well, that's his headache because yeah, well, i'm, I'm here for thing, you i mean that we're going through that but also trying to like the mad dash of trying to get the last issue done in time for too many yeah. games so um when i say that man like june early june was like a nightmare and just uh it was it was it was plus you had floods yeah you know what i mean your entire <laughs> i mean guys yeah. like I mean, my own work at it. I mean, I was like, hey, you know, I'm in the middle of a flood right now. You know, like I'm in the middle of this and I got that going on. They were just like, what is going on over there? And I'm like, weirdness. Mm-hmm. So just. Yeah. When we were saying before, like we picked them up in the way to too many games, we literally did that. That's what they have. They got there that not I, I was going to say quickly, but like at the very last second, you couldn't have there couldn't have been any more yeah, seconds. Was, it was amazing that it actually worked out as. As was it worked out, it was amazing that it worked out that way because there was so many hurdles um, in our in our way to be able to get um, just to make too many games happen and and really you know even just get this issue out. Um, so anyway, you know I, I appreciate you know all the you know the, the the hard work from the team and everyone that made this happen and also just the ongoing support from our patrons and stuff. You know, man, because without without everyone you know who subscribes to our patreon and, and and gives their money to us to be able to do this like we wouldn't have them so um i always want to yeah. try to do what's what's best for our patrons um and i i'm just trying to make decisions that is for the best of the magazine and also like respecting our, our patrons as well and so um i made that decision with those two things in mind uh, knowing that it's not a perfect solution knowing that some people might get upset by it. Um, and I think it was one of those that no matter what you do, you're going to piss someone off. Right. And so a lot of times I think with business that ends up happening. So I just try to do what's best for, for, you know, the business for the magazine and, and for the people who subscribe to us. So anyway, we're going to, you're going to get something for those awesome people who did that. Um, I think you're going to like it a lot. So, um, well, here's where I was able to contribute. So while all this is going on and we're trying to wrap up, you know, in a way the past i'm i'm over here on on our end working on issue nine you know what i mean and getting issue 10 off the ground so um right now i'm currently just uh wrapping up well i'm starting in my end but it's not going to take me very long i should be done in about a week or so um all the layouts airbrushing and stuff and then i can focus on artwork that needs to be done and there's a couple new layouts that we haven't done before and then plus a new special little mini I don't know what to call it right now. I'll get more into it later, but like a comic hybrid layout thing for the map for issue nine. Well, we get ready and we're prepping issue 10. So while these things are happening, like we're, we're layering in the processes, not just for nine, but getting far enough ahead um, so that uh, screens and development for issue 10 can happen while I'm on production and post-production on, on nine. So that's all happening right now. So I'm working on airbrushing layouts right now for nine yeah, should yeah. be done in about a week or so, uh, which versus what two months last time, Chris, you know? So, you know, I got, I got some help. Jess, uh, jam artsy. Uh, she helps me with a lot of stuff over at sketchcraft. She's helping me 
like pull screens and capture video and and put all those hundreds of screens <laughs> she got a good taste of that too you know i was like so uh how's the screen thing she's like it's teedy because she learned there's a story like you tell a story with the screens whether people can recognize it or not when they check out the layouts there's actually like a way to tell a story using the screens and then you know there's all this stuff and it's just it that is so tedious so that's so gone pretty well hmm? you're not just using assets that somebody gave you you're watching video and taking what you think best actually represents the game yeah we're and we're pulling like we're capturing video or editors are also sending us video that they've captured when they played and then i'm pulling 500 to 10,000 screens from any given game and then from those 10,000 screens we're you know we're whittling it down to like 40 to 70 screens that get dropped in there and rotated and scaled and then there's color corrections and then airbrushing that gets done so it looks retro and then once that's done and the layout's all nifty i also take pixels and cut them out and make stickers out of them and place them over there to get that little sticker book effect and then there's custom art that goes <laughs> so i'm coordinating with a couple other artists in the custom art and i'm developing my process so that we can have more custom art in the future you know like there's a tremendous amount of work to get the product that we're we're developing right now um and i i've been saying since you know we all started the print version of this magazine it's going to take three issues before we see the version of the magazine that was in my head you know and Mm -hmm. uh seven eight nine will be the first closest thing to what i sort of saw so i i believe that to be true and you know we got this version this thing called right now i'm calling it mega maniacs but it'll be like a cross between a comic book and a and a and a video game review slash thing where we got some original characters are going to argue over games and they actually fight you know <laughs> they do like battles during the reviews it's totally weird so you know there's that yeah so but just you know just trying to add things that go beyond here's our retro gaming magazine we put yep. a joystick on it you know like <laughs> so but it is happening dude it's it's nice like this is the first time we've made an issue like nine has gone to the point where I'm like, I'm not stressed about any of it. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like that's the first time I've had that feeling, but that's because Jess has been helping out. If I had to start data collection now and asset collection now, I might be, I might be a more irritable sketch craft. <laughs> <laughs> might be asshole craft over here, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, more to come. We got some, uh, some pretty exciting things in store for for mega visions too so um more to come on that um now let's get into what we've been playing guys uh scotty why don't you uh take us away on that uh what have you been playing lately yeah um i'll kind of tailor off of uh everybody's seen how unique our issue our magazine is because too many games showed that everybody like opened up and was just enamored by the unique look and and it's going to get even more unique with what sketchcraft sketchcraft was saying there so it's exciting but with that community in mind we did our first community thursday night throwdown uh last week with uh, you know everybody's favorite arguably the best fighting game in the world sonic the fighters 
it's a horrible game everybody knows it's a horrible game i think the um the the like history of it is they created it for fun to test out the model that would become fighting vipers if i'm not mistaken but we had um it was me tj kitsune uh brett uh who you might know as rainmaker in the discord or other rbh in the discord um those two and i we always did these thursday night community throwdowns with sega addicts and we're trying to finally bring in some sort of community stream, you know, have an open lobby. And uh, with that, we also had um, Corey and Chris from Scrubverse join us. So the five of us threw down and it was great. Everyone realized how that game has more depth than I think we any of us wanted to admit. Um, and it was just a lot of fun because it has, you know, the fun happy-go-lucky before Sonic got too serious vibe to it very cartoony uh we had we had a good bit of people watching um oh and lbd night train joined us in the in the voice uh chat as well eventually so that was cool just to have a good conversation and kind of good conversation going on in the twitch chat as well there were some people that were pretty familiar with it and some people equally enamored at just how or why the game exists Uh, we were amazed that the servers are still online for it um we were playing it on uh ps3 they they had it on there forever ago they did like a model 2 release of that finding vipers and oh i forget what else um oh daytona was released on xbla and ps3 but that was so much fun um that that's up on our youtube uh i did lose power in the middle of it of course um but thankfully Corey was streaming on his tornado jones twitch channel uh, we were doing a co-stream so it was it was picked up from there um but oh man that was just a lot it was a good time have have either you guys are either you guys familiar with that game sonic the fighters at all yeah i played it uh i i've never played the actual arcade cabinet or anything like that um but i i i played yeah when they released it either on the 360 or on the Xbox One, when it came out on the Xbox Arcade, um, I played it on that version of it. Okay. Yeah, it never had a um, uh, U.S. Re- well, no, it was out in arcades. It never got a console release until the Sonic Gems collection on GameCube that had that and Sonic R and Sonic CD. Um but and then eventually on XPLA and PS3. So a weird thing. TJ, uh, the madman that he has, does ha- uh, madman that he is does have a Sonic Fighters arcade cap because he's insane. Um, but it <laughs> but it did. It, there was an actual commercial arcade. Yes. For it. Yeah, there were not too many released in the U.S. Though I, it's some wildly low number that I don't recall off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, that was just an amazing stream. I, it was so much I fun. I played it. I played oh, the actual play arcade, the, the actual arcade. Nice. Yeah, you, Chris, you'll get a kick out of this. You, you're in the Air Force. It was at a MEP station. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I was right right after I took that, uh, you know, you go into a room and you hold your right hand up and you take the, the oath. And they're like, hey, you joined. I walked out and I'm like, hey, Sonic the Fighters. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've always like, wanted to play this. <laughs> you're like, maybe this was the right choice after all. <laughs> Right. I mean, everything led me to here, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Have you guys ever played Mega Man, the power battle? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's essentially like a boss run, right? Yeah. Would you say Sonic the Fighters or Mega Man, the power battle? Which one has more depth? Like, Oh, boy. I haven't played nearly enough of Mega Man, so I don't know if I could even say really. Because they're both fairly shallow fighters, so like, yeah. <laughs> like I'm, a, I, that'd be an interesting like head head to head sometime to be like, which game has a little bit more, a little less shallowness than the other? You know, which one has just a little bit more depth to it? Right, so, they are both very bare bones. 
but that's that's awesome though that's cool um aside from that uh i i haven't done too much um my girlfriend and i started to play life is strange before the storm or whatever it's called don't really have much input on that yet because it's still very we're still very early in Uh, i'm sure i'll have more to say eventually but but i do have oh not a lot to say but i do have thoughts on 1980x which uh sketchcraft actually recommended to uh, a bunch of us um and i checked it out and saw it was like 10 bucks i'm like 10 bucks whatever i'll try this and i took a long time to finish the first playthrough of it because that fucking shinobi ninja gaiden level just destroyed me um but it, for those that don't know and i'm, I'm not going to give anything away because it is still fairly new um, it is an indie game uh, made by Highbits or Highbit Studio, uh, but the it, it's a very story-driven game where you play through you you engage in this character's story, um, which I, I thought they did well, uh, especially with the voice casting casting as well, because you can kind of place place the characters maybe a guy maybe a girl, but I thought it was cool and it gets deep. It's about a kid struggling with issues with the parents and getting away and escaping into arcades and you play through the games and i really like the last portion i have a feeling chris will pretty much say almost the same thing i uh will because he streamed it a little bit ago um but the there, there's five different games you play through um arcade styles and the last one the rpg gets pretty deep and kind of very um uh, there's a there's a psychology behind it that I really dug and like different things going on everywhere. So if you like retro stuff, if you like arcades, my girlfriend didn't really dig it as much as I did, but she didn't grow up with like arcades like I did. So I think you got to have a certain background, but the artwork's great. The story's pretty good. And I'm excited to see hopefully more comes from that studio, maybe even in the 1980X lore, but I really, really dug that. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are, you're going to like it because it's it's all of the games are heavily inspired by some like classic like Sega game where there's like Shinobi or there's like um, Outrun or Thunder Force. It looks awesome. Yeah. I mean, some of the games like aren't as like deep as maybe, you know, the games that they're kind of based on. Um, but I think it's fine. I, and it, it could be it could really be beaten in under an hour, really. I mean, if uh, if you yep. want, but there are some uh, like achievements and stuff that you might want to, you know, go after. Um, I really enjoy the game, um, and I thought the the story uh, was was pretty interesting. But I think the the thing that I love most about it was just the pixel art. I mean, it had some of the the coolest pixel art I've seen in a long time. Um, there's this one scene uh, where it takes you in, inside this uh, really kind of cool looking arcade. And that was like one of my favorite parts of the game. I was like, man, I wish I could go back and find like an arcade like that because uh, I think I was too young to kind of like live through that back in like the the early 80s or whatever. Um, the arcades that we would go to were kind of like the pizza places, you know, like where families could come to and have pizza and play games, stuff like that. Um, but it just the aesthetic uh, and the style of that game just is so cool. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I definitely want to play it again. I would love to see uh, like a follow up to that game. Yeah, so a I... couple of things, a couple of things on that. So one, Chris, um, 
I would love to see a sequel or instead of an arcade, it's a Hollywood. It's like a blockbuster video. Oh yeah. You know, you awesome. go to and you rent yeah, the different types cool. of games, right? <laughs> and then you know you can choose to stop at like a Taco Bell or a Pizza Hut or a Burger King and whatever food you get sort of dictates the kind of power ups, you know. And then you know you can go play the game. Like it'd be fun if you got like Jolt Cola. Then when you play the game, it's sped up. Right. Yeah. You know, like there might be different ways to use junk food to increase, like to modify the parameters of the games you're playing because you're all inebriated on sugar. Uh, <laughs> and then two, I, I sent you personally to your phone some lighting setups that I have in my my game room I'm making. Oh yeah, I saw that. So um, yeah, so it's got a little bit of like that Tron lighting, and I've got a, a couple arcade one ups. I'm gonna have the TMNT, and I've already pre ordered the Star Wars arcade cabinet. So nice. I'm rebuilding the closest thing I can to that within a, an affordable realm. Um, in terms of an 80s arcade, I, it's not on the Quest, but there is a PC version um, that I have on my DK1 where someone made an 80s arcade and they rebuilt all the cabinets and it's running MAME. Obviously, it's not a legal fucking program to use, but you can go and play Turtles and all those things in a in a space carpeted neon arcade. Oh, that's cool. You know, <laughs> playing 80s music illegally, but you know, it's it's out there if you find it. I think Microsoft was trying to do that at one point. They had like the game room or something. Game room, yeah. Was that what it was called? I Yeah, so when you go on Xbox Live, the idea was that you'd be able to buy games and they would unlock in there, but you know, even like uh playstation 3 tried that with home yeah but then very quickly they lose licensing and your games go away so it doesn't doesn't work yeah home was a weird thing and and i feel like i was like one of the 200 people in the world that actually got engulfed in that crazy thing i love the idea of home like i i would go on it and just kind of mess around for a little bit um but it just never engaged me the way i think like sony wanted it to be able to do um because you know the idea I'm was not sure that they you, knew that what they wanted to do with it. Well, I mean that could go that <laughs> that could be said about so many products and, and games and stuff with with Sony. But true, um, I not, I love not the to idea. be the VR tech head here, not to be the VR nut, but Rec Room and VR Chat get very close to what the idea of Home was trying to do. Really, you know, in VR, yeah. Oh yeah, with a little what's his what's the buddy's name that guides you around everything and tells you how to play crap? I forget his name, but I know I know Rec Room though. It's a good time. But yeah, yeah, but 1980 X is yeah. <laughs> I know right? we both talk at the same time. It's it's a fucking awesome game, dude. It's really cool. Um, hey Chris, I'll tell you something about those '80s arcades. There, we had one down the street where I lived that opened up that was like a hard, like it was just an arcade. And man, those teenagers, it was like walking into like like ter- dystopian terminator you know <laughs> like, <laughs> like it was the, neons was the, and cigarettes and <laughs> what was the um the, the club in terminator 2 called uh tech noir tech noir yeah tech noir yeah yeah techno tech noir tech noir um yeah i just remember like sneaking out of my house to go down there because i was like don't go near there you know and i went there and just like this little kid and everyone was looking at me and they had like mohawks and fucking like, <laughs> smoking but i just really wanted to really wanted to play mario Shit, that's hilarious yeah. man yeah i I probably would have got beat up going to those when i was a kid so better that i never went so um what what have you been playing sketchcraft vr so, uh, actually, I'm almost done with Dragon Quest Eleven, so I do play that because uh, my wife likes to watch it and we, we follow along. So I'm almost done with And I know I'm at the end because I don't, I don't want to say it. Some, some dramatic stuff happens. Like, yep, I'm in the end game now. So I'm almost done with Dragon Quest Eleven, But mostly I've been playing VR. So the game this week is uh, Ninja Legends. 
I've been playing. I played a few hours of that the other night, um, and that's a 360 degree. Uh, what do they call those? Where where they just send waves of enemies at you? Like a bot wave mode. attack horde mode. Horde Is mode. It wave attack. Yeah. Horde mode. Yeah. Horde, horde modes. Yeah, it's like a horde mode game where they send different ninjas, and you got different weapons, and you got like two katanas, you got the Wolverine claws. You know, it's just it, it's fucking it's super awesome. Like it's the game that if I was like, hey, try this to show off to new people. They'd be like, oh my god, there's ninjas everywhere. Like, I would love a Ninja Turtle skin for this, you know, or licensed option where I can be one of the turtles or Shredder or Casey Jones or whatever. So um, I've been playing that. And hey, look, what's great about that is after you have a good time, you also you burn calories. So then I went and had some uh, some yogurt and some, <laughs> <laughs> some fr- <laughs> so lots of that. And then this Do you week, think- mm-hmm. go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. This week, Pinball FX uh, comes out on the Quest. So I'm going to get my VR Pinball. And that's awesome because it has like its own like room set up, like home, right? And the arcades are in different sections of the room. And when you go play an arcade game, it like if you're playing, like say, uh, Walking Dead, around you, like city buildings appear and there's zombies that actually hang out at the arcade cabinet and lean at you. And, oh, you know, like... On top of the arcade game being six degrees of freedom, you can zoom in, look at it, and, you know. You know what would be awesome? I just got this idea. Because, okay, uh, I, I've how many times have I complained about, like, how shitty my current um, retro game situation is in that it's all, everything's basically relegated to a closet under my stairs. It's true. Uh, it's actually in the Harry <laughs> Potter closet under his yeah, stairs. I know. It you guys saw it. I, I was not lying. There's a lot of shit in there. Um what would be neat if you could do this in VR is basically set up your own like game room, like with all your real shit in there. You can put it, decorate it however you want it. And then you can make like YouTube videos of yourself in your game room. And that would actually be uploaded like to YouTube. Yeah. It's just, I mean, that would be really cool because yeah. I mean, that could give me something I could do where like, I don't have the physical space to be able to do that right now. Like, unless I just set up a green screen room in my house and, my wife ain't going to go for that, fellas. Um, but if I could do something like that in VR, I could create like a badass room, like a studio um, that looks really cool. And I could create, you know, where I'm just sitting there like, you know, even just something talking to the camera. But it could create something like that. That would be super awesome if that could all be done in VR. And I bet it's possible eventually, maybe not right now, but I think really it's possible cool. right now. That would be awesome. There just isn't that. there just isn't any AAA money being thrown at VR right now for development. Yeah. You know, like it's like it's like the best of mobile and indie devs are going over there. And so and they're doing some phenomenal work, but when people like when some of my friends who are detractors of oh it doesn't look as great, I'm like, there there's no hundred million dollar budgets for a VR game, dude. There's not even like a couple million. Mm. You know, like probably the biggest team right now is Beat Saber, and I think they have like what seven five six seven employees you know what i mean like it's not these are not large studios they're doing some amazing it, it's like the front it's like a, a hybrid of arcade development from the 80s with that garage studio sense of the 90s developer the garage studio you know making a game that was like three or four people that could sell hundreds of thousands of units so um wrapped around a technology that people are still it, it, the technology the way it reminds my, my my the way I try to relate it to people is remember when MMOs first started out, 
like around yeah. 99 like ultima online and, and then everquest and you talk to people like there's this world you can go to online and it's always there and they would go but can you die oh i would really like to die and lose everything in the game and you're like you think you want that and then they make that game you're like fuck that game i lost everything hundreds of hours yeah. wasted you know <laughs> and you realize oh so vr is like that where everyone thinks they want something and then they go and make it and you realize oh that actually didn't work and then they do something that you think would never work and you're like that's actually really fun so we're still the rules and the, the 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 gameplay templates are still being written you know like it's still you think i don't want to be able to teleport in a game i just want to be able to run down the street then you realize oh no teleporting works really good in conjunction with being able to move around a space of six to ten feet you know and then they have this they have this thing called side quest where you can load side apps um and i do it very sparingly but i, I had to do it for this one thing it's called tea time was it Tea time for God or for everyone. I can't remember. It's got a weird, stupid name, but it's this demo where basically I I draw to like the available space in my room down the hallway into another room, right? Using the guardian system in the VR. And what it does is, is it uses that space and then it procedurally generates maps within that space. And anytime I get to the edge of it, it creates like a, an elevator that I can get into and it goes up to the next floor and it generates new rooms based around the same space. Like, that's a technology that we've never seen. That goes way beyond Diablo 2 random gen- maps, you know? Imagine being able to create, have, if you have limited space, being able to procedurally generate an area, you know, hmm. that changes around the space. You know, and then you start, and once you get going, you forget where you are in your house very quickly. You're not going to remember, you know? So it's it's super exciting and what's great is i'm off the chair guys i gotta tell you as you get older in life (laughs) you gotta get off the chair man like i'm drawing all day long get the hell off the chair so yeah that's a good point man because i'm sitting at work all day i'm like man this this is like this sucks just sitting in a chair all damn day and then you come home and you sit in a chair standing desk is not a possibility for me at my job so I kind of I want to uh, just I thought of it real quick. I th- I want to say maybe the only like arguably triple A company or title that might be on VR is Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, that might be it. And you know, because yeah, I, I was trying to think of like what Sony's done with their PSVR, but not really any well, big. Like, if you want to talk PSVR, plan, you know? then the big news is this week the new No Man's Sky release happens this week. And that adds. Oh, really? That's cool. That's that's free VR support yeah. to to that. You know, which I've been saying since the beginning is that's a game made for VR. So, uh, you know, eventually they'll find a way to bring that or a version of it to Quest. You know, it's just a matter of time. So, can't wait. Right. Well, it's on. That's on uh, Xbox One. Is that on PC? Yeah. No Man's Sky. So it's free VR update for PC, Xbox, okay. yeah, and it's PS4. That's cool. I liked that game at launch, despite everything that went wrong. But it was still okay. But that's that's the logical stuff for that game for sure. And that's my VR two cents. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been playing something. Uh, we we talked uh, when we finished up the brain scan uh, sideshow podcast. We announced on there that the next game uh, or movie that we're going to be doing is on Snatcher, the Sega CD uh, Konami game. That's you know pretty much based on blade runner but it's a little bit different but it's pretty much blade runner uh i've never played this game before uh but i know that a lot of people you know it's just it's held in really high regard it's one of kojima's like early games uh and being that i'm a huge blade runner fan it's one of those that i've always wanted to play 
but it's just one of those games that's super super expensive right and it's just it's 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 not it's not ever been uh a game that just kind of came my way you know i just never have been able to pick it up um but uh, i found this dude on twitter who makes these like really high quality re- reproduction uh of of like sega cd saturn games and stuff like that so i ended up buying a copy of snatcher and it actually was in really you know the the, the copy that came in it looked really good had like the original looking uh you know manual and uh cover art and everything and uh it looks really good so i've been playing that this week because we're gonna do snatcher for the next sideshow episode uh, it's going to be coming out next week, or we're recording it next week. And I've just been trying to get a little bit of a head start on that. Um, and, man, I'm really enjoying the game because it's it's different than what I thought it was. And I, I knew a little bit about um, Snatcher, but it's basically kind of like, um, oh, man, what are the, what are the, it's, it's, it's basically like. Adventure game? It's like an adventure game, but it's 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 weird. It's not as like in depth as your typical like point and click style adventure games and things like that. Um, and it's just it's it's really super weird, and it's been a lot of fun so far. Um, and I'm not too far into it yet, but I'm really enjoying what I'm playing of it so far. Uh, do you have you guys ever ever played Snatcher before? Not a lick of it. Sketch of you? Yeah, I played a fan translation uh, of it. I think like I years ago. Like a bunch of different versions um, out there, yeah. um, and some are some people like different versions because there's like censorship on others or something. I don't know. Just like Blade Runner. I'm a point and click adventure net, so it was on my list. And if, I, if someone translated it years ago, and then I emulated it and played that translation, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. I so. was always a console kid growing mm-hmm. up. I, we never had a PC, so I was never able to play like the the great you know point and click adventure games that have come hold on hold 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 on that's that's not see that's where you missed out on because the first point and click adventure game i ever got to play was maniac mansions poured on the nes well, yeah and, and, and that's what i was gonna say is like there i grew up playing maniac mansion uh and like Shadowgate on the nes so that was probably like because maniac mansion was a little bit different because you'd actually see characters animate and stuff and it was like third person and so that's an actual point and click adventure. I'd say Shadowgate's more of a dungeon puzzle solver and that's in a what, way, you know. Like, and and that's what I was trying to like articulate because Snatcher's not really point and click either. You know, it's more of like you're selecting right. a command. So it's more of like an old school adventure game in that like you're not selecting points on the screen with a cursor or anything like that. You're basically like you know, issuing a command like move forward. Now you're investigating, like you have a screen and you're investigating and there could be some animation going on where there's like a character or something. Um, but there's certain uh, points in the game where uh, you get into like a, a, a shootout with uh, some, I forget what they're calling. Like the, you can use the light gun with this game. Apparently I'm so mad. I can't oh, physically. Crazy. And so, yeah. yeah. And so you basically have like a cursor on screen where you're, you're putting it. It's like a, uh, like a, a three by three grid where characters can pop up and you have to like shoot them and stuff. And uh, so it, there is, there's actually some like expanded, uh, you know, gaming, you know, uh, portions than your typical old school adventure game. But um, I don't know, like sketch, like what, what do you think of the game? Like when you played it back in the day or whenever? 
Uh, yeah, it's more like Shadowgate. I mean, it I call it like narrative adventure. Um, there was a game on the NES like Deja Vu. It reminded me of like Deja yeah. Vu. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what's what's great about that format is you can do any genre, and I just it's for some reason in the states it just never took off. You know, I think if you in VR and a, a good analogy would be Vader Immortal is very similar to that, and I think that that future of of a narrative, you know pseudo first person you know adventure game it's not adventure you know it's a narrative visual novel slash puzzle thing it's really it's probably just way ahead of its time um but i i mean look if snatcher had a bigger budget and there could have been like imagine if they had they have teamed up with uh whoever you know tomo and those guys and did like an akira version with fully animated cutscenes on sega cd or something that would have been something that was more game that had animation you know um, would have helped sell, I think, those much better. You know, like the pixels were static. You know, like the more those things animate and they look like little animated movies that you're like interacting and moving around in, the better. Yeah, I mean, for, so, for back, like looking at um, it back then, man, like I think uh, the, um, the animation awesome. was was really really well done. Uh, the pixel art and stuff, but the writing was is actually yeah. really good too. Um, and I think that it's it's kind of funny because it's one of those games that kind of breaks the fourth wall sometimes like it'll say something like oh like there's this here because you know if if it wouldn't be a video game if we are not doing this or something like that just silly stuff that um like you you look back i mean it's kind of commonplace now you know in games today where we'll kind of do that kind of poke fun at themselves but it really wasn't that commonplace for games to do that like back in the 90s when this game came out you know and so um it's pretty it's pretty it's the first time i had an atmospheric creepy feeling in a game you know, and I, I don't think I had that same kind of feeling till maybe like Silent Hill. Oh, interesting. You know, like. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's a different it's obviously, you know, a, a tech noir, you know, <laughs> it's it's a cyber game with robots and the whole thing. Um, but yeah, it definitely has that that uh, that feeling of tension. Right. You know that. Yeah. And before anyone jumps down Chris's throat for playing a repro, um, this was only released on the Sega CD in America, and it goes for like over five hundred dollars. Japan got all the other releases on, I think even one on PlayStation. I can't remember, but other than Sega CD, like PC and stuff. So, boy, this game is expensive now. If you want to play it legit, yeah, I mean, people can people can complain all they want about um, playing, you know, repros of of these old games, but man, like they're not. It's it's not feasible for people to shell out this kind of money if they all they want to do is play a game you know and like until i'll tell you what if konami ever gets around and 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 re-releases snatcher ah. on something i'm all there i'm done there day one you know I, i'll spend 60 bucks if i want to say that it came out in 95 in the states and i only know like it was that year because my buddy had a sega cd and we thought it was going to be like akira and we tried to try he tried so hard to get a legit copy and couldn't find it anywhere in san diego in San Diego, man, which has like a yeah. you know its own Japanese like shops and stuff, and t- it was it was almost impossible to find if you were trying to buy it in the United States in the nineties. So, yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, I don't think I think like PC was the place for what this game looked like, so nobody really knew like what it was what it was doing on a console either. You know, I I feel like it was a victim. Well, of it bummed me out you know the saying, most because on the Genesis, there's a game called Scooby Doo Adventures, which I've brought up many times before, 
which is a point and click adventure, you know, and you're just like, man, they could have done this on the Genesis if they just paid for a, you know, a bigger, uh, what do you call that, ROM space or something, you know, so. Yeah, because sure. they um they they had a Scooby Doo game that was like a side like a two D like a side scrolling like platformer. Yeah, they did, right? but I'm talking about the visual novel. I mean, uh, the point and click adventure one. It was like Maniac Mansion, where you had two adventures in one. You know, right. put, you had the the nouns where you click on things, and you you know, that's the sort. Of... It was like two episodes, I think. How they had it is like, oh, do you want to play this episode or do you want to play this episode? It had voice like, sound effects, and it had like... the music from the game, and it was <laughs> very underrated titles that scooby-doo games i remember playing that at my friend's house like one summer uh he introduced it to me i was like holy crap this game's good so we just sat around and we played it until we ended up beating it um and that was like that was before the days where you could you know go to you know uh game facts or what was the other one back in the day like game sages i think it was i used cheat code central <laughs> tips and tricks um but uh, who's in yeah cheese? Um, but uh, you you mentioning that game, Rob, reminded me that Pac-Man 2 exists, and that's a point-and-click adventure. Wasn't that like Pac-Man and Pac-Land or something like that? Like, it was on the Super Nintendo, right? Like, dude, that might be the yeah. only point-and-click adventure game on Super Even, yeah, Nintendo. It it's a on... fucking Pac-Man game. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it was strange. The cover was like him on a hang glider and stuff. It was such a weird game. It was not Pac-Man that we thought it was, but hey, props to them for trying something different, so... Yeah, um, Snatcher. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's going to be the game we're going to be talking about over the next uh, few episodes of the Sideshow. So, Scotty, uh, let me know once you finally get it and start playing it, because I'd like to get your, your early thoughts on it. Yeah, I think I'm good. I'm going to probably end up doing a repro as well, because I really want to... I, I just got a Sega CD, so I really want to play it on my Sega CD. So, But until then, maybe another form awesome. we'll say uh let's get into what we've been watching have you guys uh seen any anything uh over the past couple of weeks that uh anything at the theater any new tv shows you've been watching not really honestly um last movie i saw was lion king and that's the not my my opinions on that are strong and on the scrubverse podcast so you guys can check that out but what's funny is cool. i um i listened to that episode oh, um after after i watched lion king um, and what you said in that um, was almost exactly what I told uh, Jamie after watching that movie. Um, <laughs> it was really funny. Um, basically, you were upset uh, that the characters, they look great. I mean, it's some of the best uh, animation of animals I think I've ever seen in a movie before. I think it looks awesome. Yeah. The problem is, is that it's so good and so well done. Like the characters, they they can't convey the type of emotion right. because they're they look like real animals. Um, we're asking them to convey human emotion when they look like an animal, and it just doesn't translate. And so a lot of that, like the 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 emotion, the voice acting doesn't match the emotion on the the face of the animals in the movie. Did you see uh, Boss Logic's edits of like pics he put up? You know who Boss that, Logic is? Yeah, no, it was. I, I saw someone that did some sort yeah. of like deep fake type shit. No, it's Bob's logic. He just did some photoshops where he, he gave them like cartoon expressive cartoony Disney eyes, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the mouths and the nose so that they could actually express like the cartoons did. Yeah. You know, I saw it's, it, like it, that. And it's like, that will actually like, look, this is where 
like as an artist, I it always disturbs me when they have those animals talking in the commercial. Yeah. Like the Okada okay Taco Bell, it's just their bottom lip, and you're like, look, they don't. <laughs> Animation is is exaggerated for reasons so that you can convey emotion. And what you just said is completely on point. When it's photorealistic, they're never going to be able to convey the same emotion, you know, because they can't. You know, <laughs> biology is not allowed the emotion to be conveyed in that way. So we have to you know anthropomorphize whatever the fuck that word is something like that they don't have to walk on two legs but they have to have you know exaggerated eyes and features you know so that we can you know animate them in a way that they can express and the movie look man it's for some people but i got a funny feeling 10 15 years from now they're going to remake these films but with realistic but with those expressive hand animated faces you know that, that, that that's going to make it billion dollars yeah and it will look like a blend i'd say you know i didn't like the movie but visually what they did with pokemon in terms of capturing their shapes and then yeah. giving them expressions that match the cartoons and the, the 2dness of them you know uh i thought was 100 percent on point so you know i haven't watched the movie either but just looking at the the trailers and everything i, I thought that they they really hit uh, the look of the characters and how they, they you know, they should look. Um, I think the problem, it's, it's weird, man. It, like these Disney, like live action, I don't know what, if, if there's an official name for it or anything, but like, I, I feel like what they need is something kind of like Marvel, like what they do with Marvel <laughs> in that, like they need to establish some sort of rules for these movies because I feel like all of them are different. Like some of them, like the Mulan, I don't even know if they're going to have any music whatsoever. Like I, I saw the trailer for that. Uh, don't think so. Probably because it would be a problem to have some of those songs nowadays. Yeah, but it doesn't sound it, it, they're taking it super serious in that like there's there's like none, none of the the whimsicalness and the, you know, like the anything that what you saw in the like the original Mulan other than just kind of like the story of them fighting the Huns. And, her, you know, her trying to pass herself off as a man so that she can fight. Um, that's basically, from what I saw of the in the trailer, that's all you get there. Uh, and it's just weird because that's not what people, when they're coming to see Mulan, that's not what they want to see. You know, like, they want to see a live-action version of the movie that they grew up loving. Um, and I so I, I think if that's what they're going to do, just make it like a very you know, like straight Mulan movie with none of the other stuff. Like you're not going to have, um, was it, uh, what was the dragon's name? Eddie Murphy voiced him. I forget his name. Mushu. Mushu. Yeah. Mushu. Like he's not going to be in there. There's not going to be any of the, you know, like the music. I, I just like, is anyone really going to enjoy that? If you're going there as a Mulan fan? We'll find out. And Lion so, King's already made $1.3 billion, bro. So, you know, like. But Lion King had the music. And that's what people want. And so I think one of the things I need to establish is like anytime you're going to make a live action version of a Disney animated film that was heavily on music, you got to have some of the music in there. Now, I get what you're saying, Scotty, and like some of the, the music nowadays could be problematic. That's that's fine. But I'm sure there's plenty of stuff there that you could still do. Um, and and kind of you, you got to, uh, you know, like you got to give something to those longtime fans that are coming to those movies. It's and gotta have, not it's gotta have Disney charm. This didn't yeah. have Disney charm. And so I don't see any of that with the Milan movie. Um, I think there's a single really trailer. There, there, there was that one teaser trailer out for it though, right? There's a new yeah. one in front oh, of the, 
the in front I of the Lion King that's that's, that's more in depth oh. than, than the one. All right. Well, then I don't. I haven't seen that. So. I think I'm done with the live action Disney's. My two favorite Disney movies are Aladdin and Lion King, and I know I'm saying like, oh, they better be perfect in these remakes or whatever. But no, they just. I mean, Aladdin was okay, but Lion King was just fucking dull. So it's. I couldn't help but keep thinking about the Genesis game when I can't wait to be king was being sung, and it was just like so fucking boring. Nerd. So, eh, I mean, yeah, best take a nerd. Best. Oh, for sure. The it, it it did look great, like Chris said, and I've, I'll say it a thousand times. It can look amazing, but that doesn't mean it's fun to watch. Look, I love Rocco's Modern Life. The new fuck, the new Rocco on Netflix or whatever is awesome. I don't want a realistic Rocco dog movie. You know, the closest thing I would want is something that looks like the SpongeBob, where they CG'd him really well, but he still looks like SpongeBob. You know, there's awesome. normal that people walking really around. So what I'm just saying is there's yeah. an artistic way to do this that right now they, they're not doing. They're just trying to say, hey, you know, here's the way we can push visual effects. So this all looks real. And look, that that will win people over for a couple years. But like anything else that looks real, it's of the moment. Something looks realistic the day it came out. And then a couple years later, you're like, oh, that doesn't look realistic anymore. I mean, remember how realistic the Matrix game looked? You know, like, it looks like Keanu Reeves. And then, you know, oh, or Half-Life 2. That was praised phenomenally. These, now you look at it, you're like, nah, it's just a game. You know, it doesn't really. So realism is just, you know, a matter of time and space. Art, but an artistic approach is timeless. And this is why I've always, as, as an artist, I've always preferred animation to, you know, even beyond live action. When they made that Final Fantasy Spirited Within, and they were like, these are the most realistic models ever. Um, I, I wish they just looked like Final Fantasy seven or nine or you know something more timeless, you know, because this just this is not gonna hold up. It barely holds up now. It's not gonna hold up a year from now. Remember when they made that on the Matrix anime? The Matrix was it the the Animatrix squared? They did they they, yeah. they rendered that whole yeah that that held up for what a year? <laughs> you know, <laughs> look at it now. Go back and look at how great that looks. So. Yeah, I hey, look. I'm glad it's you know it's successful because that means people got paid and things got done and people were happy. But you know when they make a, I don't know if they made a genie movie where the genie just it looked like genie, then fine. I mean I like Will Smith. It's just not these things. Here's the thing: don't feel bad if you're not interested in it. It's just not for you. You know, like it's not for Rob. You know, uh, I don't really want. I wasn't into those hundred and one Dalmatian movies in the nineties where they were live action dogs you know those weren't really for me so corolla deville scared my daughter so bad like they, they had like ptsd from that movie and she just even hearing the name like the, the name and it's like cruella deville cruella deville she would freak out man you couldn't even sing that around her like man it was a glint close i mean imagine if they made a live act i mean look, lion king isn't live action it's hd you know it's realistically right. animated but imagine if they actually made a live action Incredibles. What would be the point? Yeah. You know, like, well, cashing in, you know, <laughs> cashing in. So one day it'll happen, you know, one day we'll get there and then there'll just be other shit yeah. to watch. So. I went and saw uh, Scary Stories of Tell in the Dark this past week, and um, I was really looking forward to it because uh, Del Toro is uh, was one of the producers on that. And uh, visually, man the a, a lot of the the different like monsters and stuff if you're a fan of del toro's work it looked awesome i really enjoyed 
enjoy that. Uh, there were some pretty good scares and stuff with it. Um, if you watched, like, it was, it's weird because if you watched, like, the Goosebumps movie, you know, the one Jack Black, there was at least a few years back, it's basically like that, mm-hmm. really. Um, it, looking back on it, it's, like, really kind of... Chris? Uh-oh. Did we lose Chris? Hmm. Yeah. He's great at. Oh, he is great. Look at that. Uh, yeah, we still go on. So that's what's great about the cloud based recording, right? Very strange. Um, let's see if this chat works. We don't hear you. Oh. Again? His computer crashed on him. That happened last week. Yeah. His computer crashed. He upgraded a part of it. Um, man, it's still recording though. Yeah, it is. Um, he was talking about that scary stories. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll let him return to that, but I can add to this. So speaking of that goosebumps movie with Jack Black, I had to work on the okay. t-shirts for that. <laughs> and oh let me just explain to you folks out there who probably have no idea how this works. So there are the movies, you know, and love, let's say it's Lion King. Let's say it's Endgame. And you're like, man, I can't wait to get one of those t-shirts. Right? Maybe my kid wants to get a backpack. Then there's the second tier, third tier licenses that you get stuck with. And one of those would be like, we got the Goosebumps license. And then I'm thinking, oh, that'll be great. Those covers and those logos. Nope. It's the movie. (laughs) And normally with those like licensing packages, you get like all this high-end art and renders and and logos and icons but with something like the goosebumps movies you literally just get a bunch of black and white photos of jack black and that man that dummy and the car and then you have to fucking like invent an entire product line from nothing <laughs> you know yeah, i don't even i was trying to look up the t-shirts and nothing's even coming up that's not the books. no one bought you know, we, we, we worked on that. We put it, the, I did my best, man. And then you put that in front of retailers like Walmart and Target and you're hoping someone will buy it, but no one wants to take the, 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 the risk because who cares? <clears throat> yeah. Weird. Yeah. No, there's nothing. That's, I don't even know. I don't even, I, unfortunately I haven't seen that movie. I know I, I should though. I've heard good things. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I only imagine it'd be like the child's play movie that we all saw. You weren't there for that. Um, nope. <laughs> Marcin and Chris and I saw why you were off in whatever land you were in. And then I keep thinking like, man, someone got stuck with the Child's Play license and they were hoping to get the original one, but they got the new one. <laughs> and I guarantee you, I don't care how much money that movie made, no one wants the new Chucky doll on a t-shirt. Right. Yeah. Right. It doesn't work, dude. doesn't work. Yeah. Especially in the nostalgia zone that we're in right now. Well, not just now. Like when I first started t-shirts, the first Marvel movie t-shirt thing that I worked on was Spider-Man Three, which had you know the symbiote and Venom in it. And dude, Venom from the comics, the McFarlane stuff or the Larson stuff, you could sell all day. Movie Venom, you couldn't fucking move one shirt. You know, <laughs> couldn't do, couldn't do. 
Hey guys, what's happening? It's Scotty Mo here. So filling in the blanks a little bit, we had tons of issues recording this week, which is A, why it's so late, apologize for that, but also why there's this sudden cut in the middle here, because Chris came back online, which restarted the recording, and we decided, you know what, screw it, let's just go ahead and do that mail sack. So without further ado, here's some sack. Just go on and I'm trying to get my laptop. All right. All right, well... So, without further ado, we've got the mail sack, and it's time to open her up and see what's shaking and what people are dying to wonder, know about us or other things. So, we go to the Twitter uh, with the splintering asking, how much weight did Tommy Lasorda lose on the Ultra Sim Slim Fast plan? Well, I had no idea what this was, what he was talking about. Um, did you know Sketchcraft? On the Ultra Slim Fit? Yeah, you got it. Uh, <laughs> you drinking chocolate shakes now? <laughs> apparently, somebody is. But um, you're from super my... thin, bro. What do you need Slim Fast for? Like... <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Jeez, if you need Slim Fast, I'm hosed. Yeah, we're in trouble. Um, according to my research, I did. He lost thirty pounds in three months, which that's a good good thing for someone to do i guess good job to you mr Tommy lasorda yeah it's not that much by today's standards you need a lot of skin surgery for that (laughs) right oh that's gross um on the twitters as well migraine boy says since sega are on this quote-unquote comeback how do you think this is going so far and what do you think they need to do to make their brand more appealing hope you guys have had or having a great weekend and keep up the good work thank you hope you are as well i don't know do you feel like they have a comeback going on (laughs) right now because sonic mania was good and I mean, they made guess, like 18 yeah. Yakuza games, but I mean, like, <laughs> did you see the projections for the games they have like planned so far? It's like a couple Yakuza games and some stuff I've never heard of. I don't know. I don't know. They've got Football Manager and the the um, those RTSs that I don't touch, uh, like Total Total War. Is that what they are? Yeah, the Total, think... Total War was that booth that they had at E3 that was all decked out, but there was no game oh, coming yes. out. Like, it was crazy. Um, and then Sonic Team Racing, which did, you know, what did that do? Yeah, I don't, they really, I mean, they normally are consistent about like supporting their games. And then even after they're out, Team Sonic Racing didn't really have that much. They had those, those cartoons leading up and everything and like actual merch for it and stuff. Um, they've been cranking out merch for like very specific things too, almost like a limited run aspect of it, but. I don't know if they're on a comeback so much. I think Sonic was for a hot second with Mania because um, it felt good to actually talk about a current Sonic game. But Yakuza okay. is good. Um, I, so I, on top of my head, I didn't prepare for that. I don't. It's not like I, we get these questions in advance. So, but there is Streets of Rage four. But again, that's not Sega making that. That's Lizard King right. hooking that up. So, um, and then I guess maybe FDG if they finally ever work on more Sega stuff. So here's what I think. I think the future of Sega kind of having a comeback is fans who grew up with Sega stuff being able to actually become developers and then make Sonic Sega games that are amazing again. Right? Sonic Mania being the proof. Streets of Rage yep. 4 hopefully getting there. Uh, Monster Boy, you know, Wonder Boy obviously being examples of that. So the future for right. Sega is fans. <laughs> <laughs> there so and we're, we're yeah. part of that right like we gotta sega has a sega theme magazine because we're making one so like, like right that's, exactly yeah there you go 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and uh, I mean, even, you know, going back to 1980X, like some of the games in there were, that was very much basically Streets of Rage, very much outrun. Um, they So it's going to be the fans. It's not, it's not going to be Sega. Um, but uh, so I don't know. I don't know. I guess we're a little confused on the comeback that you're using there, Mad Green Boy. But we're enjoying the new games that they're putting out or that the fans are putting out. Um, so in the Discord... TJ Kitsune asks, question for the podcast. There's a topic going around the retro community. Are retro games worthless? Do you feel today that collecting retro games is still worth pursuing? Are you doing emulation more these days with the fact uh, oh, with the fact that mini consoles are being released and a cheap alternative for a dozen or more games? Uh, okay, I haven't heard this in my retro circles, but what's that? Let's break this down to a few things, right? So one... Why do you collect things, Scotty? Do you collect them because you're trying to find resale value, or are you collecting them because they meant something to you and you want to have a piece of that there for all time, and you can finally build that ultimate game room you always dreamt of when you were a kid? Which, which is it? Probably the game room, because I know some of these games, like, I kind of, uh, we talked about before um, how, like, some of the stuff we're hunting for, and some of the stuff we were just kind of, we grew up with it and happened to get it before it was insanely priced, so I feel like I am gradually looking for the other things that are insanely priced, but not, but I guess I want the game room, and I just want to actually play the games. I don't want to sit in front of a computer with ROMs. Right, so... So for me, I believe collecting things is based on just having a personal attachment to it. So that's why I have the NECA, the 90s Turtle stuff. That's why I got the Arcade 1-Up coming in, because these things mean something to me. I'm not collecting them because, well, I'm going to collect them, and then they'll be worth something someday. That, that speculator's market 90s image comic book problem. Um, but two, then that runs into a problem of there's only so many Sega Genesis consoles that can be made, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I think that's part of his question, like with retro Encon or whatever, plus Polymega, plus the Sega Mini, plus SNES Classics, whatever. Like, does that have a threshold? And the answer is absolutely it has a threshold. And I, I think we've seen the first, you know, real proof of that with the PlayStation Classic. Like there's so yeah, many yeah, available yeah. PlayStation ones out there for nothing. That I think at the end of the day, people aren't like Jones and to get a little mini thing because you can just get one today. You know, that would. And even, yeah. And even still, um, I, I was surprised how many people uh, didn't actually know this when I was working in games retail, but PS3s, any PS3 can play PS1 games. So you, yeah. it's not that far back that you can still play that whole library, you know? So I don't it think. You can play PS1 no, games. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't see, like, if they made a PlayStation 2 mini, I don't think it would go anywhere, you know? Uh, I don't think it would, because uh, also, partially, like, that that console would have to have, like, 60 games on it, because that <laughs> the lifespan of the PS2 was so long for them to somehow cover all of the quote-unquote greats, you know? Yeah, so I then I want to go to the, the next phase, is where, where does it go from here? And I've been harping this, and I'm going to say it for until it happens, is the future of retro is VR. You know, the future of retro yeah. is being able to have every game console you ever wanted virtually right there. You know, but being able to decorate your own room, like Chris was saying, you can take your own game room out, put your consoles up, have all the game boxes, have the instruction manuals, all in VR. You know, like it's there, but it's not actually taking up physical space in your little apartment. You don't have to spend 500 bucks to get a copy of Snatcher. You know, you can have it right there, but that's going to need to play the ROMs and whether that 
that's legal, not legal, or quasi-legal, I don't know. You know, like, game companies really need to get past certain problems, you know, um, with licensing in these old games. It gets really weird, too, because on a separate note, uh, I got hit up by the Rare guys to they sell some of my Battletoad stuff. Like, they know that piece I did with all the, the game boxes and the... Right, and the new one coming They were like, up and this stuff. should go up on our t-shirts, you know? You should, like, submit it and so we can put that on there. I'm like, that's awesome. I just had to look at their own rules because I always know I, I violate something when I do an art piece like that. And sure enough, they don't own the logos to Battletoads. Rare. Oh, but do they own the characters? <laughs> but the like, not the logos logo. They don't own any of those logos. That's so, so weird. I mean, someone made the logo and they have to pay that guy and they don't ever want to pay a guy so then you don't get the Battletoads logo anymore. That's why Battletoads has a new logo. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I, that it's it's not the exact same thing, but I just learned recently. Um, I, I don't know if you're into the uh, to the band Panic at the Disco at all, but like they went through a breakup at one point, and I saw I saw them recently or him because it's Brandon Yuri, and he did a medley of like old songs and stuff, and then I found out later on he doesn't even own the rights to the first like two Panic at the Disco albums. They're like dispersed amongst the band, so he can't perform the full songs. So that's why there's a medley. Like he doesn't even own the rights to the music that he wrote. It's that messed up. But just kind of going back to how you said how weird copyrights and things are like that. That's why Toe Jam and Earl wasn't in the um the um uh not or yeah, transformed because uh oh geez, I can't remember his name now. I'm brain farting left and right. Oh Chris shit. Is better well, with the, names. The, yeah, 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 yeah. The owner of Toe Jam and Earl, um, it's like Sega didn't have Toe Jam and Earl. It, it, they didn't belong. Greg Johnson. Yeah, holy Pete, shit! Chris, there he is now. This is the guy with names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and Mark Borsanger. They both co co-own uh, Toe Jam and Earl. Okay. Um, is there any way you can turn yourself down a little bit, Chris? Because you're really loud. I don't know. I can try. Little, little feedback. Yeah, a little feedback or something. I don't know if you're using a room I'm mic using or something. I'm using the same mic I was, but I'm on a shitty Chromebook. Oh, now you... Ugh. Yeah. Okay. We'll make do. Um, we're doing the question uh, uh, whether or not retro games are worthless, and um, we kind of took it in layers here. Yeah. But um... So we got into why do you collect games, whether it's, you know, do you collect them to, to resell or you collect them for personal attachment? Then we get into is the market finally hitting a saturation point where there's only so many things you can rebuild. That's why you have multiple Genesis minis and retro end cons, all sorts of stuff. And then the future, which I say is VR, some virtual space where you can own all these things and experience them in a way like, you know, if you play Mega Man in VR, you could actually Mega Man, that pixel can be 20 feet tall if you wanted it to. I mean, but beyond that, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see at some point it's going to be like, all right, there's enough of it. It's not really retro anymore to people. They grew. They're going to be. I grew up playing Chrono Trigger on a SNES Classic. You know, <laughs> that's going to be weird when new kids grew up playing oh, retro yeah. games, right? And they're not really retro to them. They're modern games, and the retro games to them might be some vague game on a PlayStation Three, like Folklore, that they barely remember, and that game can never be rebuilt because that system is so hardwired to its old hardware. You know, like it's going to be like games like Minecraft. That'll happen. They are going to be the retro games of. Or, or games that were online, like then got dis- discontinued. You know, like No More Ragnarok Online or uh, City of Heroes is probably already there. Or Fortnite. Monday Fortnite will be off the servers. And we remember the game; it was amazing. We want vanilla Fortnite, you know. And then we want vanilla yeah. Fortnite. 
oh, I don't, I don't, I don't want, yeah, I don't like that. Right? I'm probably the first person on the planet who's ever said that, but it started here, folks. You, you said vanilla Fortnite, and it didn't register right away, but I still felt bad inside. <laughs> um, yeah, so well, why do you collect them, though, Chris? I feel like you're, I feel like at this point, you're collecting them to show your children to like how, how they, you could have spent money. <laughs> I think it's, yeah, that's that's definitely what I was doing a few years ago when I was like heavy in collecting because I wanted to share share the games that I played when I was a kid and share them with my kids. And I thought that maybe uh, maybe doing that, you know, would give give us a chance to kind of play and enjoy these games together. What I quickly found out is kids today, <laughs> oftentimes they don't really enjoy those type of games anymore. They want to be playing Fortnite and shit like that. Um, having said that, there are still a few games that I'm able to play with my uh, my kids, like games like uh, Streets of Rage, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, like Mario games that have just such good gameplay that any generation can pick up and play them, and they're going to enjoy them. Um, there's certain other games that are not going to be nearly as fun for someone who did not live in those times. And I'm thinking like games like maybe like. Uh, Fantasy Star, Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy 3, games like that that are like really heavy on uh, like grinding and things like that where kids today just don't have the type of patience to be able to do that kind of stuff because uh, there's just so many other things that they could be doing, whether it's watching YouTube, watching Netflix, you know, playing on an iPad, uh, playing Fortnite. There's just so many other things. Um, a lot of these older games just are too slow for them. So um that's kind of where I was at originally when I was really into collecting and then also collecting some of the games that I wanted to play when I was a kid, but just couldn't for whatever reason, like say for like a 3DO, I was never able to get a 3DO as a kid just because they were so expensive. Uh, but now as I'm older, I can go back and, and pick them up. Um, I oh. really, I've really stopped collecting for, a, for the most part. Uh, the only thing I'm really collecting for these days is the Dreamcast. Though. I was what did your did you uh i bought that po'd game for you chris did did jamie ever find that yeah i have it yeah i was actually looking uh, at it today but i mean like you had it set up like in the family room amongst all your other like actual photos and cherished items you just had it sitting there did she ever find it there oh no, no i actually moved it into my my game room after oh, you guys ended up leaving damn it you gave in yeah no no i don't did we say that we were going to keep it there or something i don't remember that oh you just set it there to see if she would notice that weekend basically uh, but no she didn't notice it because probably because i put shit there all the time yeah i gotcha um yeah i was gonna say like now that i think about it like some stuff i've I've been excited my, my girlfriend's not really a big gamer and i've been excited to show her older stuff and like like we played uh, she's a huge disney fan so we played um uh, world of illusions together great co-op game um you know she's mickey i was donald and but it was such a pain in the ass because i couldn't find my fucking av cable and then i was like jesus does this tv even have av inputs and so <laughs> So, like, part of me is like, fuck collecting forever. But then on the other end is, I want to show people these cool games that they're... And she enjoyed it. She really liked that game, actually. Probably more so because it was Disney. Who cares what it, what we were actually doing in the game? But, and then the Polymega might come along, and that'll make, hopefully, the world easier for collectors like us, that we can just put all our stuff on one system. But it's still, I guess I'm weird and want to still have those physical games, you know, behind me on a shelf or something. That's what I was going to say is I think the Polymega is going to be the thing that that 
if if they achieve everything that they're seeking to achieve, and I think they will, because everything I've played and seen up until now is pretty impressive. Um, I think that's going to be the thing that's going to be kind of the the best of like where we're going to get retro gaming uh, for a long time until it gets to the point where Rob's talking about, like where it kind of the VR side takes over. I think from the more practical standpoint of like what we can do today um, and what I think most retro gamers want is probably something like the Polymega right now. Uh, and I'll tell you what, man, I can't wait because I've been trying to find all my old ass cables for my Sega CD and everything. It's been a nightmare trying to find all of those. I thought I had everything relatively organized in like Ziploc bags and in bins and label and everything. And I guess I didn't have um, my AV cables for my Genesis um, put in the right place because I could not find them anywhere. I ended up having to order a pound uh, Genesis HDMI cable. I got that in today and it's just not working. I don't know what's wrong with it. So I'm going to have to send it back. It's just a pain in the ass. You know, it's a pain to try to pull out all these old systems, poke them all up, hope they're going to work and see what happens. You know, like it's going to be awesome to have one system that can just do everything and it's plugged in and you really only have like two cables. You have your power cable and an HDMI cable and it's just done and it's going to be easy. It's going to be organized. I'm looking forward to that life because I think that's going to make things a lot easier. I hope so. Um, good question though, TJ. Uh, Mr. Haru asks armchair CEO time. If you can go back in time to 1990, 91, when the Sega CD was being discussed in the offices of the company, what would you do to make it succeed? Keep in mind, you have all the knowledge you do now of its failure in the current day and are in a position to help steer it into its own second win. So it's basically a hypothetical time traveler question. How would we make the Sega CD succeed? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough question. That's an interesting question, though. Uh, that I'm yeah. going to let you guys answer first. Oh, boy. Uh, what do you think, Sketchcraft? I've actually given some thought to this because I was just thinking about that the other day. And the, the problem that I have with the Sega CD is Look, the early 90s, if you weren't there, everything was based on visually being able to see a noticeable difference in, in power. If you didn't visually see a noticeable difference in power, no one was on board with that being the next big thing. Um, let me give you an example. This is why on Sega CD, if I show you a full motion video, you look at the picture of the full motion video and you go, oh, wow. That looks way better than Mario 3. I'm not saying it does, but you can see a noticeable difference, right? You know, my Nintendo can't make that. Um, really, it's a, it's an illusion because all it is is playing a movie off a of CD-ROM. Right. There really is no gameplay behind that, which is why the Sega CD doesn't take off. Then when you put a game like, um, what's a good example of like Batman Returns on Sega CD that has improved sound you know what i mean more room for levels more room for animations and you play it and you're like oh this is amazing this is way better than the genesis port or the super nintendo version but if you show that it doesn't look noticeably different than the genesis right right when you look at it you can't tell the difference than that or a super nintendo it's just another pixel game so the only way the sega cd works is if they somehow were able to combine the technology for the 32x and the sega cd into one add-on you're right, and then from that point on, the only way they sell the Genesis is with that combo. They stop selling the basic 2D Genesis; they sell the 3D CD Genesis, whatever, 32 CD. 
X. What's that called? Like the Neptune? Or didn't yep. they have like a prototype? It was a prototype. I'm talking about 9091. That's the only mm-hmm. way that works. And it wouldn't have worked because they didn't have the ability to do 3D on a cart the way they did. So really the fact of the matter is it was destined to not work. You know, and so, but just, the 32X did. It expanded Everyone memory, was right? based around – it had no extra processing power. Right. The Sega CD had to be able to add – some level of processing power where you can visually right. see the difference. But wait, I, I like the idea what you're saying, at least, is like if you combined the 32X and the Sega CD into one peripheral, and so either Sega never released two. Basically, it was the Sega CD that had the expanded memory and maybe some whatever any sort of processing power the 32X could do. Um, and it it gave some meaningful boost in performance and visuals to it. Do you think that would have been something that could have made a difference? But it was too late. It was too late by that time for it to matter, you know. And they were and they were already making Sega Saturn, and it just just didn't work. So that would not be on the table. It would have to be some kind of sprite based thing, or I don't. You see what I mean? Like. They would just wanted to be the. I think it would definitely have to be sprite based. Yeah, they would have to be the scene that added particles everywhere and did like mode seven style three D platformers, right? Where it created like the idea of a platform in three D, but it isn't. But it gives you that sense, you know. <laughs> and so when you look at like, if you look at mode seven on the Super Nintendo, you go, oh, you know, that definitely looks different, you know, than a typical game, to the point where. In console wars, wasn't it that part where they were like, "Do we have anything like a mode 7? And then the developers were like, "No, you know." <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're like, "No," but do we know what a mode seven is? Does anybody know what a mode seven really is, guys? Come on, you can look at it and see a difference. It looks three D. Yeah, and so they needed like an F zero style, you know, way to do a Sonic game. You know what I mean from the gate from the get mm-hmm. you know with extra particles and and animations and and showing that the storage space was providing also you know the ability to, to provide more game here's the other problem though the cd was incredibly slow yeah <laughs> right, ever, right. boot up a sega cd jesus yeah. i mean it is ah, it's tough. corpse killer that classic right chris boy that that flies like butter that's the phrase mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't know uh no yeah even with the cd it, and and i think it, yeah what you were kind of saying initially there uh sketchcraft was like fluidity like it, it looked different in terms of how fluid it was um and that's how different it was with video but even still it was still like chunky and wonky and i mean just look at nightcraft nightcraft night trap um even though that was just a movie that you were playing, it's still like if you look at the Sega CD version, it's just in this tiny, tiny window, and it, it's a movie, but it's pixelated and blah. So, yeah, that's all it did. It looked different, but it wasn't better. If they had had Doom, if they had had Doom, if it was able to do Doom and Quake, and that, if they could have gotten on board with some form of online Doom oh, from okay. the very beginning, yeah. you understand what I mean? Like, if it could take that 2D corridor first-person shooter thing with Doom, um, Dark Forces, Duke Nukem, those kinds of games, and have that at launch, it could have been the first, like, first-person shooter online console. You People would have, in North America, would have just got it for that. Right. You know? Yeah, it's weird. Maybe the Sega CD shouldn't have existed. Maybe they should have jumped to the 32X kind of thing. Because, yeah, Doom was on, well, Doom launched with that, with the 32X. Um, right. Yeah. It's a good port, too. Yeah, it's not bad. I actually have that one. Um, 
That's a good question, though. But I, yeah, I think I'd go back and be like, hold on, guys. Let's wait. <laughs> if you if you guys want to know what I do when I'm mowing the lawn, like, <laughs> I do think about this stuff way too much. <laughs> way too much. This is what I think about. I think from a marketing standpoint, we could have done, too. It's just like, hey, now that if you buy this peripheral, like, not only are your games going to be better looking, um, all the games are going to, you know, like, play on this that's that's you know exclusive to this new system or whatever peripheral but all your old games are going to play better too and you go back and like you can say like hey none of our games are going to have slowdown or any of this crappy stuff that happens when you play like the super nintendo and you can show i already see like sega's marketing where they show like all these games on the super nintendo that has slowdown and all this other stuff but then you flash that same game that has already been released on the genesis but it's playing with the uh whatever the 32x cd or whatever you call it and now it's running completely smooth because this new peripheral will just make all your old games play better too in addition to think about this or if they had signed some development deal with like an ea or something where they're producing a mode 7 style football game that has a 3d feel you know what i mean it's 2d but it's 3d you know what i mean you could play it if it had like four ports or three ports instead of four say three ports where you can have three people you could do three on three basketball and like that mode 7 thing you know so it just they didn't have software that that showed off that it's truly like a next gen add-on mm. beyond the full motion video, which as we all know is just basically just another version of Dragon's Lair. It's just you know button mashing until you know it links up to the next thing. So that's it, right? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it did have a it some sort of memory capacity though because i remember getting my sega cd and turning it on and it had like save files for stuff which was weird to me but yeah i don't know that's uh that's that's enough that is a good question a lot of good questions this week in the news sack but that's gonna pretty much zip it up whoops it's stuck there we go <laughs> Ooh, that, that could be painful mm. <laughs> All right, let's get into the weekend game news now. So uh, it's been kind of a slow week uh, for for Sega, so a couple of weeks. But um, one bit of news that came out: so Sega issued a press release. I think it was late or early last week, um, like Monday or so, that uh, they announced their lineup for Gamescom. It's going to be happening uh, here in about a week and a half or so in in Germany. It's it's basically like the the biggest European game convention every year. And it's a big show. They're going to have Catherine Fullbody, uh, Two Point Hospital. Uh, I guess they're uh, both of those are going to be uh, console ports. Uh, they're also going to have the Mega Drive Mini there. Um, but one of the, the most interesting parts of that announcement is they're going to have an unannounced AAA game that's going to be revealed for the first time to the public. Um, and so that's pretty interesting stuff. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, do you think... This could be a sequel to like a classic Sega game that everyone's been wanting for a long time. Or knowing how kind of Sega is today, would you think it's like an entirely new IP? Uh, they're going to play it safe. It's not going to be anything new. <laughs> It'll be another Yakuza game. Look, my, 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 my <laughs> 18th Yakuza game in a year. Um, I, I, I'm hoping it's, you know, whatever FDG is working on next, right? That'd be a really great follow-up, but uh, I hold very little hope beyond that. That it's actually. Do you think it's it's actually uh, an in-house Sega yeah, developed game, like or do you think they're for the Stadia? Where uh, I know they were making some Sega games, like the Chewy Chewy Clue <laughs> Clue Clue Robot, yeah. or some shit like that. You know, so Chewy Chewy Sprocket. 
I, look, I mean, I don't want to be negative on Sega, but they just they haven't really been scoring a whole lot of anticipation points for me lately, you know. So hey, look, if they announce what did they announce the Sega Mini with a new game, you know what I mean? Like they made a new Genesis game that's going right on there. So that would be something. Sonic Crackers. Shining Force 4! Shining Force there it is. Saga. It's 1, 2, and 3. 3 redone with the Shining Force 2 engine with orchestrated music. And then they announced with the Shining Force 4. I'm going to continue to harp this for the next 20 years. Uh, it's, it's all I care about when it comes to Sega in life. So there you go. I want... I, I was doing some thinking of like, what are some, if they ended up doing like a sequel, like a big budget sequel to a, uh, a Sega game that's been, you know, kind of released in the last few years. Um, and, Pepsi uh, Man? Not Pepsi Man, for sure. But I was thinking like, uh, like a uh, Condemned 3 oh boy. would be a lot of fun. I absolutely loved the first two Condemned games. Um, what was the other one? Um, shit. I think it was. Uh, it was the one that was kind of like Gears of War. You know, it was that third person. I tweeted about it. The club. It wasn't the club, although the club was awesome. Um, the uh, club? You're talking about the Met game? That was Capcom. No, oh, man. Now I'm going to have to go you to my mean Binary Twitter. Domain? Thank binary you. Domain. Binary Domain. Dude, Binary Domain was a really underrated game. It was a lot of fun. It had a lot of personality to it. It was you could say that it's kind of like it, it took some of the the gameplay elements, like wrote them off from Gears of War because there's like a, a cover mechanic and it's like the reload thing that is pretty similar to Gears of War. But aside from that, like it did some really interesting stuff. Like you could issue like verbal commands to your teammates and stuff, your AI like uh like partners and stuff in the game. Uh, you could talk to them also, like so like you're supposed to in between missions and stuff, you're supposed to like talk to them and and uh, improve your kind of rapport with them. And so you do that with talking to the like the PlayStation mic and stuff. It was neat, man. It did some some cool little things like that. Um, underrated, didn't get a lot of fanfare or anything like that. Um, I would love to see Seaman for your phone. I've been calling for a Seaman mobile game for a long time. Um, but I don't know, like if, if you guys could pick maybe a, a sequel to uh, uh, a classic Sega game that you would like this to be like, what do you think? Scotty? I already said, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really want sequels to games. I love because they're going to get fucked up. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be a cynic about it, but I, like my gut said nights, but I don't, I don't think I want another night. But they made um, it on the Wii. Did you play? Yeah, I, I sure did. Yeah. Oh boy! Um, look, look, look! Uh, the guy who did Res did Tetris Attack, right? Like the one on the VR. Was that Tetris? Oh, VR Tetris Tetra- Effect. Tetris Effect. Okay. So look, I mean, another Res style game would be amazing, especially with VR support. You know, like some yeah, crazy that, yeah, Res. That could be cool. Game, you know, would be awesome. But uh, Scotty, certainly there had to be a Dreamcast, perhaps fishing pole <laughs> caliber three or something. <laughs> uh i don't know i would out of nowhere maybe a burning rangers sequel who knows this, this totally it wouldn't be the the place where a sega would doubt to do sonic game though right not in gamescom i don't think so but i don't they've done crazy stuff i'm not sure maybe a new house of the dead or something insane i don't know i'm trying i'm looking at, i'm looking at my collection right now and trying to wonder oh oh for a second i was like that's it the sonic adventure remake but no that's not a triple a I don't know. That could be argued. It's a AAA title, you know. Um, Binary Domain would be cool. Oh, Anarchy Reigns. Yep, the new Anarchy Reigns. Duh, clearly. I don't know. 
it's hard for me to not be cynical about this, but I mean, I'd love a new Ristar. What if they did a sequel to Ristar? That's my pick. That would be dope. Ristar 2. That'd be cool. Ristar. So we're going to keep going with the uh, kind of... <laughs> yeah. Meets Leprechaun in the hood. Uh, Ristar in the hood. Ristar 2. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> with special appearance by Toe Jam and Earl. So the... Uh, the- TurboGrafx-16 Mini got some new games announced for it. So I guess it already had the list of games that were going to be coming out. Um, and out of nowhere, Konami announced that they're adding seven more games to the mix. Uh, let's see. Those are Galaga 88, uh, Dragon Spirit, The Legend of Valkyrie, The Genji, uh, The Heike Clans, Seri Senshi, Spriggan, and Spriggan Mark II. But the one that I think most everyone is super excited about is they're going to have Splatterhouse Hell yeah. on there. Um, that's pretty awesome. I, I'm a huge fan of the Splatterhouse games. Um, I own um, I own almost all of them in, in various forms, like physically. Um, and I just I just think they're really, really cool games. I, I, I love uh, Friday the 13th, the whole series. And it's just awesome. That, that is just a really, really fun game. Um, what do you guys think of the TurboGrafx-16 Mini? I mean, the saying it's supposed to be coming out uh, in spring of next year. It's going to be about 100 bucks. Uh, is this something that uh, interests you guys, or does this latest news, you know, like kind of point you more in the direction of maybe picking it up? Um, Look, if, it, oh, yeah, no, you go ahead first, Chris. And I are on the same point today. For we, we both pause and wait and then speak up. It's fun. Uh, all right, thank, thank you, Scotty. Thank you. Um, so... If Rondo of Blood wasn't available before this, then the answer would be yes. I think the game selection and the quality of what they're putting together is really good. The problem is, I don't know anyone in North America who cares. You know? Mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I mean, when the TurboGrafx-16 came here, known as PC Engine in Japan, um, it was good hardware. Just no one I knew cared. I, I picked up Mega Man four i think instead like like, you know uh bonk was fun but i mean one of the things in japan that they had that we didn't have was the they had these cards that you could basically like continue your saves or data and take them to the arcade and bring them back you know or you could even rent games you could put that card into a machine and rent the pc engine game take it home and play it for like a day or two you know so crazy yeah and so like that never that part never happened here you know so I just don't I I don't know, man. Like I think it's ninety nine bucks. I haven't looked, but can we get a one of those PC Engine Express handhelds for ninety nine bucks these days? <laughs> Remember those? Those things are pretty expensive now. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to get one. <laughs> so yeah. I um, love the box design, like the graphic design choices that they had. Yeah, I love that nineties with the the Sans Serifs kind of Art Deco thing they were doing. So. It is cool, but ninety nine dollars cool. That Zach Morris looking dude on the on the front of the box. Uh, a Homelander looking guy, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I saw the boys, I was like, is that Zach? Is that Zach Morris? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> that should be Zach Morris. He's uh, aged incredibly well. Yeah. So. Yeah, this is weird. It is a good. I guess. I mean, how many is that all together? Then is it like fifty or so games? Then now. Oh, uh, let me go back. I thought I had a. Uh... 
Um, it's a good deal. Yeah, like, it is a, a good deal. It is a good deal for the the quantity that you get. Um, unfortunately, there's some JRPGs in there that are still in Japanese. Um, so huh. they're they're very much just um, tossing them out in different regions, but not doing that work to make them. <laughs> they're know. in Japanese. Yeah. Oh, that's gonna piss someone off. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know about it. Well, it's, it looked like the the East games are translated, but like, um, oh boy, the well, the ones that Chris was saying there, the newer ones, uh, some of those are JRPGs. I mean, some are shmups. You don't need to know any language to play those, which is fine. Splatterhouse is really cool. I do also very much dig that series. Um, I don't see this as being something that I'm gonna grab. Um, maybe if it dropped significantly in price or something, because I never had a Turbo Graphics myself. But uh, I mentioned previously that my like introduction to the Turbo Graphics or its library anyway was through the Wii's Virtual Console. So you know, played some of the Dungeon Explorer, uh, definitely the first Splatterhouse uh, umpteenth time on there. But um, eh, I don't, I don't think I'll grab this. And yeah, I also, do, I think it's gonna get it, it again. Just you know. We're going to do the regular reminder. This is being put out by Konami. So I don't know that there's going to be super strong like marketing behind it. So I think it's going to get nope. just forgotten. And um, especially uh, come March, I don't know. Because like by then, the Sega Minis already have been out. Um, who knows when we'll hear about the Sega Saturn Mini. Who knows? But I don't know. I think it's going to get forgotten in in the states anyway. At I least. wonder if it'll even be at any retailer other than like a GameStop or something like. If GameStops are around, then burr, 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 burr. yeah, I don't know. I, I think maybe it's like Amazon. I don't know. Uh, it better be because I got to pick up. I got to pick up my Star Wars arcade one up. Oh. <laughs> I pre-ordered, so it better. Oh, be yeah. We're going to keep your money, but you can't get that Star Wars arcade. <laughs> guarantee you they say that <laughs> right now this yeah. thing is only on amazon as well i don't know if we mentioned that or not but it is live on amazon for the 99 price tag hmm. okay uh last up let's get into our feature discussion real quick uh the question of the week is during lulls in releases do you have a go-to game or a tv series that you'll find yourself kind of coming back to so maybe you don't have any game to, to play you're just kind of hey you know what I'm going to go back and play that game or go watch this series. Scotty, why don't you uh, start us off? I don't have... <laughs> Did you see what I added to the document? I don't even know if you have... I see it as, a, as I was talking. <laughs> I was thinking you're right. <laughs> uh, sliders. Actually, we haven't... We've been, we've been a little bit behind in, in the episodes now that I, now that I typed that word in there. Um, not, not really. I mean, sometimes I'll catch up on on movies or I'll try to like be like, Oh, I've, I've all but giving up, keeping up with any of the Marvel series on Netflix, which I guess doesn't even matter at this point. But, um, no, I, I will dip into my retro collection and I'll find any excuse to introduce my girlfriend to older games. I always go back and play Sonic three for some reason. I, that's my favorite game. I'll usually pop in nights. Um, in terms of series and movies, I don't, I don't know. Uh, something's usually got to cue me to go back into a certain movie or something. Like February rolls around, I'll end up watching Groundhog Day. Not really around Groundhog Day, but it's February. Um, so, uh, Panzer Dragoon Saga used to be my summer game. It and it took me years to get through it, just very casually and very slowly. Um, but uh, now that I've turned my PS3 on for um, 
uh, playing Sonic the Fighters last week. I will probably start playing Sonic Adventure again through that for some reason um, and and get confused when I don't roll up and see my original Chow in the garden or whatever. So maybe Sonic Adventure is one because uh, I still really am captivated by the overworld that that game had and I, I still like it better than Sonic Adventure 2. That was kind of a question going on in our Discord, which one's better, SA1 or SA2. I like the connected world in Sonic Adventure 1, so... I guess for games, Sonic Adventure 1 is my go-to. Movies and stuff. I don't know. It's always a good time to watch Ghostbusters. (laughs) But TV series, yeah, we'll go with Sliders. That's cool. Uh, Sketch, what about you? Or I I guess uh, pop in a random Mystery Science Theater if nothing else is on. That's usually something to throw in in the background. Uh, Mine's sort of the kind of a two-in-one. So in terms of what do I play, what do I watch, it's kind of the same thing. And I... and this happens generally while I'm working is I just leave in long plays of either Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, the 10 hour long ones, you know, or someone's just played it through. Uh, sometimes I'll do like get Dave. He did a series on that where he talks. I'll leave that on or I'll just leave on the gameplay with the menus and the repeated music because it's a good tempo. And I just like listening to that world or Dragon Quest eight. Uh, there's a YouTuber called Mage Masher. I, I subscribe to him. I, I give him monthly money, but he did like a great Dragon Quest eight let's play and i'll just leave that on and it's like hanging out with a friend of mine because when i was growing up i would be drawing while my friend would play games you know and then i would occasionally go over there and play a little bit then i'd go back and draw for like eight hours while he played the game for eight hours and so that i do that all the time so i'll leave on games let's plays or long plays if i don't want to hear people talking i'll just do a long play um and gameplay and talk get dave to mage masher who i generally listen to for that uh and that could be just about any game you know uh Shining Force 2, that's that's one. Final Fantasy Tactics, Dragon Quest 8. Mostly those RPGs, you know, that last a little bit longer. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I think for me, uh, game-wise, is probably Streets of Rage 2. I find myself going back to a lot, mainly because it's something I can, uh, if, if me and the kids are kind of sitting around, uh, uh, I'm like, hey, Odin, let's play some Streets of Rage. He's always down to play uh, with me. And so we'll, we'll pop into that. And it's just... It's one of those games that just feels good coming back to it all the time, you know. It's just I know it so well, you know. It just it's it's fun to go, go back to. Um, movies are probably the Lord of the Ring trilogy, and that's like for my whole family. Um, we are huge fans of that uh, trilogy, and if we hear like a, a a piece of music or something from that movie, it's like all of us are almost in unison. Like, let's go when we get home, let's, let's go watch, you know, the two towers or whatever. Uh, and we'll end up doing that. And we have the, um, the, the, all the Blu-ray extended versions. So, uh, sometimes we'll just try to watch like one of those movies, um, you know, one day on the weekend and the next weekend we'll, we'll do that. We'll just do those routinely. Those are all movies that we'll just probably be able to always come back to and just really enjoy. Um, I'm looking forward to whenever they inevitably do the, the 4k, versions of those because um we're going to get them because that's <laughs> what we do with lord of the rings uh we're really looking forward to the amazon series i think i, I saw something like they're they released how many episodes that new amazon lord of the rings series is going to have is that 20 season. something yeah it's, it's quite a bit I'm, I'm i'm really excited it has like a are one trillion dollar budget are those, are those 22 minute hour like is it going to be like whatever happened to the lord of the rings you know like <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious and it's just like uh it's just this, like sketch, sketch comedy like, <laughs> or i would like maybe like if they go like a smallville direction where there's like a monster of the week type of thing and 
there's just like that. It ends with that like outro song all the time, like they that like what Dawson's Creek popularized back. I hang back out at Sa- was that Sally or Rudy? <laughs> was it where's where's Sam? That chick that he liked. Yeah, we all hang out at the tavern afterward oh, and have God. drinks. And there's a local prom they gotta go it's to. Like Aragorn just being all emo over some girl that he likes. Yeah. So, someone invited a troll to the prom. And oh, that'd be hilarious. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Dawson's quest, you know. <laughs> God. Yeah, that I'm. I am kind of curious how long those episodes are because when I saw when I saw twenty, I was like, "That's not a." I thought I I thought of sliders first. I'm like, "They're like twenty two episodes in one season. Who cares?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, we're used to Stranger Things with eight episodes." Whoops. Yeah, it's it's, it's really hard to man. I can't imagine um doing like a whole like hour long episode. If they go that way, Netflix should just get the Choose Your Own Adventure and do that Cumberbatch, was that Pandersnatch thing, you know what I mean? Just make like a Choose Your Own Adventure. Instead of doing 22 episodes, just shoot enough to where you could literally pick whatever story you wanted to watch. You know? Yeah, I think they're going to continue that. That's a tremendous That Pandersnatch was amazing. That was so different and so cool. Um, and coming from someone, I, I absolutely love the Choose Your Own Adventure stuff when I was a kid, man. It was so much fun to do those. And it's like, whoa, there's a movie version of the same type of thing that I loved as a kid. Uh, and it was actually really well written. And I thought the acting was really well done in it. And that's another thing, too, is like, you don't, you know, growing up in America, like we never really got to see that scene back in like the what is the early 80s of like PC game development in the UK. That's just something that we never really got exposed to. So it was kind of a neat thing just as a as you know, uh, someone who loves games to kind of see that too. So man, Banner Snatch was all sorts of awesome. Yeah. I need to check that out. I haven't, uh, I need, I feel like I need to finish or at least I've watched a good bit of black mirror, but, uh, my girlfriend's seen none of it. So I feel like she should see a couple of those before we try Banner Snatch out. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. There's tons of like, uh, Easter eggs and all sorts of other nods to old, uh, black mirror episodes and stuff in that one. So I think she probably would get a little bit, uh, maybe more out of it if she ended up watching some of those uh yeah okay so it's just black mirror is so sad we don't want to be sad <laughs> yeah most of them are bummers but uh if you watch the the new one with miley cyrus in it it's not it's oh, not boy. as bad I, I haven't watched any of the new season yet so okay. i should probably yeah yeah we'll make our way there somehow yeah. All right, I think that's gonna wrap things up for this episode uh scotty why we got some stuff coming up man got some we do. Uh, I've been busy pulling my hair out, but for all the good reasons, we've got our usual streams coming up. Um, you know, keep an eye on our Twitter, and you'll know when we're going live on Twitch. Um, we're gonna try to do maybe another throwdown. Not sure, but I'll still be playing some Rayman Two, making my way through that game um, on Wednesday. Everybody loves Rayman Two, uh, and um, but we do have the Dreamcast Dreamless Twenty Four Hour Marathon coming up on september 7th so that's 9 7 19 at 7 a.m eastern standard time on our twitch channel uh which is just twitch.tv backslash megavisions it is 24 hours of dreamcast games people to raise money for extra life and we give away a free dreamcast console uh to the most active viewer courtesy of our sponsor warp zone you can check them out at warpzoneonline.com um last year we raised over 500 bucks so it'd be really cool to get higher than that uh, and we, we, you know, we take that time to show off some of the oddities and some of the gems. I mentioned Sonic Adventure. That's how we kick it off every year. Uh, we're going to end it with some pole caliber, of course. You know, you'll get your standards in there, your jet set radios, your, uh, um, uh, I don't know, Mr. Driller with the fishing rod. 
maybe some ill bleed, maybe some Tokyo bus guy, definitely some pen pen tri isolon. Um, but some of the staff's going to be showing up and crashing at our place and taking it over. And uh, it's going to be a good time for a good cause. So hopefully you tune in on nine, seven, 19 at 7 a.m. Eastern. And Graham is flying all the way from the UK. All right. Well, I thought we were going to make that a surprise, but hey, Graham's coming oh, too. Well, we can edit it out if you, if you want to keep it a surprise. I don't, I don't know how big of a surprise it needs to be, but... Um, I don't know. <laughs> Do we want to make it a surprise? Does it matter? We should hire people to just all be at the airport and go, Graham! Graham! Make him really think oh, he has a following so over here. <laughs> <laughs> Graham, it's your following. The Graham Crackers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're all white. Oh, I get it. Well, Graham has had graham crackers. And he's like, when I come here, I want to have graham crackers. So we have to. Oh, no. You better make a s'mores for him or it's going to be horrible. (laughs) It's going to be hilarious. We still still need to let him know about his awesome nickname that he doesn't even know he has, which is Graham by the Ghoulies. Don't even get him started on that because he loves that game. I'm bringing it up during the marathon now. That's a guarantee. Yeah, he'll just want to go out and play it. I guarantee it. So, guarantee. Anyway, yeah, yeah I'm going to be driving out there. I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're going to have some other other uh, people from uh, the uh, the magazine out there. So it's going to be some good times. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. This will be my first marathon I'm taking part of. It's going to be good. I'm pumped. So, um, outside of that uh, uh, sketch, do you want to talk about anything you're working on these days? Mega Visions issue nine. That's right. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing that, doing my own comic stuff. And then, as always, I do game development stuff that I can't talk about. But um, we're just working on Mega Avengers tonight, and uh, we're starting development on issue 10. So we're going to push push to get that all rolling normally throughout the year. So no more hiccups. That's right. So And it's going, it's going well. Um, I would say that... Uh, <laughs> when when you see me posting the cover up for issue nine, it's close. Like I tried to say that right before, so that's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm gonna be drawing some virtual on, so I'm looking forward to drawing robots and stuff. Ooh. So. Super awesome. Awesome stuff. Remember, you can subscribe to Megavisions at our Patreon at www.patreon.com/megavisions, and you can choose between either a physical print or a digital issue of the magazine. Uh, we ship worldwide, so if you are in the U.S., Canada, wherever, the U.K., um, the Pacific, wherever, we can get it to you. So check it out and uh, subscribe to uh, whatever pledge tier makes the most sense for you, and you will be able to get Megavisions Issue 9 coming your way next. And remember, you can go to our website at megavisionsmag.com and go to our web store, and you can get a copy of Issue 8 if you have not yet picked that one up. So those are there. We have a finite amount of copies uh, and once they're gone, they're gone forever. We're not planning any sort of reprints on these. Um, they'll be gone for good, so be sure to get those while you can. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week with a sideshow and the week after that with another episode of the Megavision Show. Take it easy. See ya. Fuck, I was muted. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> <laughs>